Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description of this video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring this message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Well, hi everybody. I hope you've been enjoying this series and that you're getting a whole lot of questions answered. Next Sunday, we're going to finish the series next Sunday uh, talking about heaven. Over 500 references to heaven in the Old and New Testament. Uh, how many of you have a loved one, not going to be here for Christmas because they're in heaven? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, I love this topic because I have so many loved ones and friends. So many of our church family are already there. So we're going to answer some questions about heaven. There's some things God wants us to know. If you were to buy a house living at four years or even 40 years, you'd want to know everything you can know about that home before you move into it. Well, heaven is our eternal home. We're going to be there forever. Everything down here is temporary. So it is going to be so much fun uh, to just talk to you all about heaven and about what the Bible has to say. And I promise you I will answer some questions for you. Uh, maybe even cause some more questions, but you are going to enjoy next week as we close the series out. Uh, talking about heaven, any, any questions? Today, the tribulation. Any questions? <laughs> well, the first three Sundays of this year, or this series, Pastor Tim came up here and just unfolded a wealth of information for us concerning what's going on in Israel, how it falls into prophecy in God's Word, 28% of the Bible's prophecy. And so he shared with us in many different ways to know and understand uh, how all that falls into being signs of the end time. Sign being two things. Number one, a sign is to get your attention, and a sign is to give you information. So to first get our attention, and boy, uh, man, the world is giving their attention toward Israel. And then uh, also to give us information, and that's what we got Pastor Tim around here for. Now, Pastor Tim has got a tremendous memory he remembers things going way, way back, which is a little scary. And then he has great recall, meaning that he can pull things back up to his mind without a lot of notes and be so accurate with it and, uh, uh, and share. So I, I just want to ask him a couple of questions about the first three weeks, a couple of take-homes. And with what we're seeing in the news and the questions that are being asked, two questions that I want you to clarify one more time. Whose land is it? We know it was God's, but who, belong, who should be there? And number two, what we're hearing our politicians talk about, will there be, is there any way there could be, or is it even God's idea that it would be a two-state solution to the problem? Well, it's funny, you're bragging on my memory, so I apologized last week for giving you wrong scriptures. <laughs> and then at nine, I gave you the wrong scripture again. So... <laughs> When it comes to the border war, I gave you three scriptures, okay? But you're only going to find it in one. I gave you Psalms 53, Psalms 83, and Psalms 93. It's Psalms yeah. 83. 
So pick, pick the middle one, and that's yeah. what you go with. But when it comes to whose land is it, okay, it is Israel's land. They are the indigenous people to that land. And it's interesting because the land is called Palestine, uh, which comes from the word uh, the Philistine or Philistines, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Well, Philistine is translated to invader. Huh. So when Palestinians say, this is our land, well, well it's because you invaded it. So they're literally calling themselves invaders. So it is their land. It is their land. God gave them that land. It is there. Now, this two-state solution, land for peace. We've heard about that. We talked about that a few weeks ago, too. Will that work? It never has. They've tried it six times, six times in history. They've tried to give land for peace. But you're dealing with a radical Islam group who doesn't want a certain amount of land for peace. They want all of the land, and they want Israel or Israelis dead. That's what they want. And so there's no negotiations with that. You can't negotiate with that. So that will never be a two-state solution, will never be a solution. So it was God's land to start with. He, he gave it as a promise back in Genesis chapter 15 through Abraham, and then it went, to, uh, it went to the Jewish people. Yes. And even though the Jewish people have been scattered and gathered and scattered and gathered, doesn't make any difference. Those are God's kids, his chosen kids. And by the way, let's just, there's only two types of people on this earth. You're either Jewish or you're Gentile. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter where you were born, what dialect you might have. And so the Jews, that was their property and their land. Two-state solution, never in God's plan, never will be in God's plan. The people that are in there should just get out. Yeah, that's that the would, bottom line. That'd be the easiest. That'd be the easiest <laughs> for everybody. But that's not going to happen. So anyway, here's, the, here, here's what I want us to do. Then um, last week, after you covered three weeks of incredible information, incredible material, and, and Tim, you blessed so many people with that. So many people walked out of here and went, I had no idea, and questions were answered. Some of the stuff you gave went to my granddaughter in GCU down in Arizona, and she shared it with her uh, college-age friends that need to be smarter than they think they are mm -hmm. and help them out. So it was... That's awesome. Thank you so much for yes, doing that. Last you. week we talked about the rapture. We talked about the fact that it is the next event on God's prophetic timeline. Here's the timeline. Take a look at it if you would. The very next thing that's going to happen is God's going to rapture out the church. In other words, at the rapture, all Christians are leaving this planet. There will not be a Christian left on this planet once that rapture takes place. And then the only people that will be here will be those that are lost, and that includes Jews who have not accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Now, there are Jewish people that are Christians, but for the most part, Jewish people, did they're looking at the second coming as the first coming of the Messiah, and they completely skipped over the birth of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So they'll still be here because they're not saved, but those that are saved going up. Then we have three and a half years, and then a really terrible something happens in the middle, really terrible three and a half years. And then take a look what's going to happen over here at the second coming of Christ. We have the 1,000-year reign. I got a question for you, Pastor Tim, but let me, let me set you all up first in case you don't really understand this part of what's going to happen. See, we think that maybe when we die, we're going to go to heaven. We're in heaven forever. But here's the thing. If you are raptured, in seven years, you're coming back. So you're only going to be gone for seven years. And then you are going to be coming back with Christ. That's called the second coming. The second coming, he is coming on a white horse. He is dressed in a white robe. He, his robe will be blood-stained. 
all the armies of heaven and you and I that are in heaven, that have been there like for seven years if the rapture took place today, we're coming back also on white horses. We will be wearing white robes and we will be part of this army that takes place uh, where the, the battle of Armageddon takes place. So you say, we're all going to be warriors? Yes, you are. But the picture is you and I are going to be wearing right, white robes. Well, who goes to battle wearing white? The Bible says the way that Jesus is going to conquer the enemy uh, at, the, at the end of the tribulation, which sets up the thousand-year reign, Jesus preparing a new heaven, the atmosphere and a new earth, the planet you and I are living in. He'll explain it. Uh, right before that, when we come back, the, Bi the Bible says he is going to destroy and capture the enemy with his mouth. So it's going to look, the battle of Armageddon is going to look something like this. All of us behind Jesus is going to look something like this. And all of them dead or all of them captured in hell forever. You and I will be witness to that and then we will reign for 1,000 years. Now the cool part about this is it's all going to take place over Jerusalem. He's going to set his feet down on the Mount of Olives. So that, and that's why Israel is so important. Our Savior was born there. He lived there. He died there. He rose again there. And he's coming back to there with you and I. And it is going to be amazing. So if you have never gone to Israel, which we were hoping to, but it kind of got canceled, right? You're going to get a free trip on Jesus' ticket. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's right? right. We're all going to Jerusalem. No crowded airplane seat, and seat belts are optional. We're also going to be riding on horses. Where'd the horses come from? They came from heaven. So if you love horses, and let me tell you something, I love horses. If you love horses, we are going to have horses in heaven. That answers the question, where there will be animals in heaven. Absolutely there will be. All right, little Bow Wow will be there. Fluffy may not, but there will be, there's, there's, room for, there's room for debate on that. I think a little Bow Wow's a rapper, right? Is that right? <laughs> oh, was he? Yeah, I don't know I if he'll know. be there. I met a dog. Oh, you know, they know what I got. <laughs> <laughs> we oh. didn't, by the way, we didn't practice this either. We just got together today and had coffee and prayed, and here we are, yeah, like a conversation. Yeah. So. I think it's interesting to note, too, that while the tribulation is happening, and there are people, guys, out there that want to be here during the tribulation. They think that, oh, it'll be awesome, and I can go, and I can be this evangelist. No. You do, do you want God's wrath upon you? Absolutely not. So please do not be deceived by people that say, well, yeah, I, I want to be there. I don't want to go. I don't want to be raptured. I want to be here during the tribulation. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. Okay? Because we that are raptured, for those seven years, are at a wedding party where the bride and the groom come together in celebration for seven years. It is going to be the coolest party for yeah. seven years. And then you know how at the end of weddings, there's always this procession for the, for the bride and groom, and they go out and they throw rice or whatever at them, and then they go in, in a car or, a, or some type of a, a, a wagon or whatever you call them, and they get in there, and then and they go off, and everybody's, yeah, 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 yeah. Our wedding pr uh, reception, or our wedding procession, will be us getting on horses and coming to Jerusalem. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we have to look for to. So it's going to be incredible. Now the, the millennium, actually the word millennium means thousand years. So it means it'll be a thousand year reign uh, for uh, Christ on earth. It will be a new heaven. It will be a new earth. And it will be like Eden. 
Have you ever wondered what Eden must have been like? It will be a new heaven, a new earth, and this new earth will be like Eden. And when, when the earth was new, could you imagine? The earth is new. It is without sin. It is perfect. And along with the, the, the horses, uh, us riding horses back, I love the way Isaiah describes it. He tries to give us a picture of what it's going to be like. And he says, the wolf will, lie, uh, will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hands in the viper's nest. And that's talking, you're Ta that's talking about the millennium, yes. right? Okay, more animals. Yes, more animals. Yes, yeah. And it's cool to think that that's that that's going to happen, and we're going to we're going to get to experience that. And and now understand too, it's interesting to note that there will be those that are saved and survived the tribulation that go into the millennium. You ever thought about that? So those that make it all the way through the tribulation, through all of that wrath, through all of the the plagues and different things that are going to happen. They will, if they're saved, and they, they make it through, uh, uh, through the Battle of Armageddon, they will go into the millennium period never dying. They will never have died. And, and, and understand this, that there will be those that will be pregnant during this transition from tribulation to millennium that will give birth in the millennium. And the Bible talks about the fact that at the end of the thousand years, Satan will be loosed for a season. And he's going to be loosed to give uh, temptation and free will choice to these children of tribulation. And those that choose Satan, he's going to lead a rebellion one more time against Jesus. And then, of course, Jesus is going to wipe out that rebellion. And then Lucifer will be thrown into the lake of fire for eternity. Okay, did y'all catch that? Because if you did, your head just went... Because listen to what he said. We're coming back at the end of seven years in glorified bodies. Mm -hmm. We can go to heaven, we can come here, we can go back and forth. There would be people born during the tribulation uh, period of time, uh, children that are born. There will also be a number of people that are saved. It will be the greatest revival that ever took place in human history during this seven-year period of time. But there will be those that are martyred, those that are killed, those that die. There will be those that make it to the end. So when Jesus comes back, there'll be us coming back in our glorified bodies. Now get ready. But we will also be doing a period of a thousand years with people that are still in mortal bodies. Yes. With free wills. Mm -hmm. Because those are the ones who have the opportunity to rebel against Jesus during that thousand years. And then Jesus shuts it all down at the end of a thousand years. And this is why it never made sense to me, never has, why somebody would give up a thousand years back here on this earth in a perfect Garden of Eden with Jesus as the president of all of it for 70 or 80 years to do life their own way mm -hmm. yep. and then miss all that. A thousand for 70, I think it's a pretty good trade. Yes. Yep. All right, is that it? Is that all you got on that? Oh, it's, yeah, You got it's more? Fine. That's I've extinguished just, it. Seriously, my you're just a wealth of information, <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you. All right, right on into the tribulation then. The Bible, here's the question that I, I ask and I want to answer. Why should you even care? I mean, if you're a born-again child of God and the rapture takes place, let me, let me just put you in the moment. Let's just say this afternoon, as we get ready to leave here and you're walking to your car, that the rapture takes place. And before you get to the car, you drop your purse, you drop your car keys, it's all here, and you're gone. Now, 
Imagine that with me for a moment. The next service is going to come, those that didn't get raptured up, and they're going to find a parking lot full of cars. Empty, nobody in the building, maybe a few people wandering around. But really the people that are trying to come here for 11, they're not going to make it because all the streets and all the traffic is going to be traffic jammed. Empty cars are going to be wrecking everywhere. And people are going to be so confused of what's happening, the world is going to turn into a mess. Now, let me ask you one more question. Did we already answer this? Will children be raptured up? Will those that are mentally, did, you, did we answer that yet? No, will those that are mentally slow or handicapped, will they be gone at the rapture? So uh, that's called the age um, of accountability. Um, and of course, if you look up the word age of accountability in scripture uh, on, a, on a word search, you're not gonna find it because it's, it's a deduction from scripture that describes those that will not be of age uh, to be able to understand scripture well enough to make that free will choice. Mm -hmm. And that, that's debated on what that age is. Uh, many scholars believe that it's 13 because that's when a, a Hebrew boy is bar mitzvahed and he goes from uh, childhood to manhood. Um, uh, and then, of course, also, it's, it's, it's a mental capacity as well. So if you have the mental, maybe a mental capacity of somebody that's under 13, uh, you would also be included in that age of accountability. So if you're under the age of accountability, which debate on when that is, you would be raptured like everyone else. Okay, so that adds to it's it, doesn't unsafe, it? Yes. I mean, think about the fact there's a lost mom or dad or a lost mom, and her children are gone, her baby's gone, the four-year-old's gone. Imagine that. They're caring for a, a child that, that is mentally uh, handicapped, and, and they're gone out of, that, out, out of that wheelchair. I mean, imagine all the chaos, all the confusion that's going to take place. Now, here's where I want you to lock in. Every generation should believe that the, that the rapture could happen in our lifetime, every generation should. And if it does happen while you're on your way to the car, you know, as well as I know, you're gonna have family members that are still here, going through this chaos, going through all the confusion. You know you're gonna have coworkers that are still here. You're gonna have friends, neighbors that are still here. You're gonna have people that you love dearly that are left behind, and they will be here for seven years. And the only good thing the Bible has to say about the tribulation period is it's only gonna last seven years years. You and I will be in heaven, and your loved ones will be here navigating through what's going to be happening during the tribulation. You bet you're invested. You bet you have skin in the game because you're praying that that grandchild will come to know the Lord. And listen, the greatest revival that's ever hit the earth is going to happen during the tribulation period. So it's not a bad thing that if they're lost, they're still here. It's better than if they're lost and they die without Christ. Because then there is no hope. But when they're here through the tribulation, God is going to reach out to them. Now, here's what's going to be going on to finally get through their hard heads. Are you ready? The Bible says, and here's the scripture reference on the back, that people will be killing people that will bloody the earth. Hail and fire will burn up the planet's grass and destroy one-third of all the trees. Intense famine will dry up food supplies. Rivers and seas will become too polluted to sustain life. Many rivers will dry up completely. The sun and the moon will scorch the earth and its inhabitants. One-fourth of all the world's population will die from war, starvation, and beastly predators. Earthquakes are going to, accompanied by thunder and lightning, will destroy cities. Mountains will crash into the sea, and one-third of all the fish on the planet are going to die. Tidal waves will sink one-third of all the world's ships. 
Meteor showers will strike the earth. Ashes and smoke will rise, hiding the sun and the moon uh, from view for a period of time. Swarms, for those of you that don't like bugs, swarms of demonic insects will darken the skies and stings the people with great and inflict great pain. Diseases and plagues will kill another one-third of all mankind, and everyone, the Bible says, will flee from large cities to go into caves and to be hidden under rocks. These are just from sections of the book of Revelation that I just read for you. And one of the first things that is going to take place when all this confusion, all this chaos is happening, is somebody is going to appear on the scene that it looks like he might have an answer. And he's not a politician from America. He's somebody different. Who would that be? And a few weeks ago, we uh, brought up on the side screens the, the different characteristics of the Antichrist and the scripture that went with it. But I think that sometimes we miss the fact that this is going to be the most evil man to ever be on earth. You roll Hitler and Stalin and bin Laden all together, and they don't touch what this guy's going to be. And when we talked about him a few weeks ago, we also talked about the region from which he's going to come from. In Daniel, it was prophesied that the Antichrist will come from the region of Rome at its, at, 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 basically at its peak. And so uh, Rome, and we put up a map, Rome was huge, the empire was huge, but it encompassed much of Europe, some of North Africa, all the way through the Middle East. So we know that he's going to come from that area. And he's going to gain much of his control from the use of the mark of the beast. Now, the mark of the beast, you've probably heard uh, different things about what it is or what it's going to entail. Uh, many people believe, uh, of course, it's going to be a mark, a mark on the forehead or a mark on the right hand. And there are those that will believe, well, it could be a barcode. You know, it could be, uh, it could be a microchip. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, something uh, uh, along that line, some type of tattoo. Well, the, the key is, is whatever it is, to live on this planet... Uh, successfully during the tribulation, you're going to have to have it. The Bible says in Revelations 13, 16, it also forced all people talking about the Antichrist, it, that's a good way to describe him, it, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their uh, foreheads so they could not buy, sell, buy or sell unless they had the mark. So if you're here and you don't have that mark, you will not be able to buy food, you will not be able to sell goods, you will not be able to do business without this mark, and he's going to control the economy by using this, uh, basically, feat of force. Now, the beginning of the tribulation is going to be marked by the Antichrist making a peace treaty with Israel and her Arab nations. The ones that have been causing this border war and all of the trauma that has been happening uh, in the Middle East, he's going to bring about a peace treaty that has never happened before uh, in, in, with these people, and that's going to be the case for three and a half years. So there's going to be great peace in the Middle East. There's going to be great peace in Israel for three and a half years. And that's why so many Israel, Israelis are going to think, this is the Messiah, Look what he's done. He's brought about peace. Now, during that time, of course, they're going to be building the temple, uh, rebuilding the temple on the, uh, uh, what is the Dome of the Rock now? We showed you pictures of all that. Uh, some, there's some debate on whether or not that temple will be, will be built before the rapture, uh, but it has to be built and completed by three and a half years into the, dip, uh, the tribulation because what we see in Daniel chapter uh, 11 is that the Antichrist has to desecrate it. 
Scripture says, his armed forces will rise up to desecrate the temple fortress and will abolish the daily sacrifice. Then they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. So he's going to come in with his forces. He's going to take up, because understand, Hebrews are building this temple so that they can worship as they did during the Old Testament. They're going to bring back animal sacrifices. And those things are going to be happening. They're going to be sacrificing animals to God during those first three and a half years. But then the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will, will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is re revealed. And what, what the Bible is talking about there is the, the day of the second coming of Christ will not come until the temple is built and the desecration has happened. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. So three and a half years in, he goes, uh, all the sacrificing, it's really to me. I'm God. I want you to worship me. And he is going to build a, uh, a statue of himself in the holy of holies of this third temple and demand that everybody worship it. Now, if you've taken Spiritual Warfare or our Three Kings series here at Fellowship, you've heard a lot of teaching when it comes to the temple and how it was designed. The tabernacle, of course, was the tent that, they, 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 that held God's presence through the wilderness, and then they rebuilt the first temple uh, where it held God's presence, the Holy of Holies did, and then they built the second temple after the first one was destroyed. Well, we understand, if you've taken those courses, you get the fact that, that on the outer courts of this temple is where the Gentiles worshipped. So that's where we could have worshipped. Then there were the inner courts, and that's where the Jews were able to worship. But then there was the Holy of Holies, which was the innermost part of this temple. And it held God's presence. And only one priest could go into the Holy of Holies during certain times of the year. And that priest had to go through all kinds of ceremonial processes to be clean to go into the Holy of Holies to be in God's presence. Because if he didn't, he would die. He would come into God's presence and he would die. That's why they put a rope around his ankle when he went in, because if he didn't do that process right and died, nobody could go in after him. So they had to pull him out. That, that is history. That is exactly uh, what, what happened during that time. So you might ask, if that's the case, why then is the Antichrist able to go into the Holy of Holies and erect this statue of himself? Because God's presence will not be there. God's presence will not be there. Just because the Jews erect a temple, just because they build a temple, does not mean God's presence is going to be there. God's presence left the second, the temple, uh, it left the presence of, his presence left the, left, the, left the temple when Jesus was crucified. When Jesus died, the curtain, there was a curtain that separated the inner courts from the Holy of Holies. When he died, that curtain was ripped from top to bottom. And you might think, well, you know, it's just a curtain. That's no big deal. No, no. This curtain was massive. It was 30 feet wide. It was 60 feet tall, and it was four inches thick. And when that curtain was ripped, God's presence left never to return. So that's why he can easily des desecrate it. Now, a lot of times we talk about uh, the, the Antichrist, but we don't talk about his prophet, his false prophet. You see, the devil wants to mimic God, he wants to mimic the Trinity. 
And so what he does is he has his own trinity. Now, we know our trinity is God the Father, God the Son, which is the Messiah, and the Holy Spirit. The unholy trinity is where Satan thinks he's God. And he sets, him, sets the Antichrist up as his Messiah, and then the false prophet as the Spirit. Now, the false prophet emulates what John the Baptist was to Christ. John the Baptist was the forerunner to Christ. So this false prophet is supposed to be the forerunner or come before the Antichrist. And we haven't talked much about this false prophet, but he is a man that will stand in this place, and he will control the world religion, and he will also control or be the economic leader under the Antichrist. And he will, of course, be able to do that because he will probably be the one that is enforcing the mark of the beast and forcing people to worship the Antichrist. Wow. Okay, so then what's God up to during this, during this seven-year period that we're talking about? Well, God is casting a massive salvation net across this planet. It is not God's will that any should perish. And those that have rejected him and those that missed the rapture, that have gone into the the tribulation, God is still trying to reach them through this great revival that is going to take place, and he does so with four major things that are going to take place. And the first is God is going to reach them with Bibles and past messages. Everybody's going to be scrambling. Everybody's going to try to figure out what's going on. And people are going to remember, because your loved ones, their memory's not washed. Their loved ones are going to remember grandma praying for them, going to remember people talking to them about being saved, and they're going to dive into a Bible, try to get your Bible, try to find out where you marked. They're also going to go to the Internet. Now, do you remember what happened when we had the pandemic a couple of years back? Do you remember what every church, almost every church on the planet had to do if they wanted their people to hear the teaching from Sunday? They had to put their, their, the, the material online, right? So every church started archiving their messages. Just a couple of years ago, all churches that couldn't afford it started buying cameras, started doing so to stay in touch with their people. There will be people that will go to the Internet. They'll go to Facebook, and they'll think, wait a minute, didn't Uncle Bob send me a message that he wanted me to hear? It was at Fellowship Church a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he did, and they'll look those up. People will be getting together. They'll be looking up, up messages. Last week when I talked about the rapture, I had in mind it probably will be a message that people go back to and try to look up uh, uh, during the tribulation. And that will be the, one of the massive ways that, that God is using. And that's why we tell you, if you know a loved one that could use this message, send it to them. They may thumb their nose at it, ignore it right now, but you don't know they won't go back to it in the, in the, during the tribulation. That's but then there's true. another one. Yes, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And Scripture says that they're going to be sealed Jews, which means that they're protected by God from death. So they're going to have a supernatural ability not to die. So it doesn't matter how much they preach the gospel and how much people come against them in that. If they try to kill them, they won't be able to do that. Now, I don't know if it's going to be like they're, they're Wolverine and they <laughs> self-heal or, or if they'll just have a miraculous uh, a force field around them that will keep them from, uh, from dying. But, but the point is, is that they will be protected by God. Now, you might, it's interesting that, that the 144,000, everything in the Bible is numerical. It's beautiful how it's written and, and way prophetic things are done in numbers. Of those 144,000, 12,000 of those from each tribe. So 12,000 of 12 tribe members will make up that 144,000. And you might ask, well, the tribes are lost. That's why they're called the lost tribes of Israel. Nobody knows what tribe that are, if they come from Hebrew descent, what tribe they're from. God knows. 
God knows what their genealogy is. He knows he will handpick them. He will make them the evangelists that will, will, will see millions of people saved during the tribulation. There'll be two uh, major focal point evangelists that come onto the scene. Many people think that Moses is coming. It could be Enoch, but Moses and Elijah are going to be on the scene at the very beginning. And for three and a half years, they are going to be proclaiming a very hard message to all the people there speaking to evil. And as, and as they do throw, so from the streets of, of Jerusalem, the Bible says they can't be killed. The people are going to hate them. They hate the message, and they're going to try to destroy them. The Bible says any of their enemies that come against them, they will destroy those enemies by fire that's going to come out of their mouth. And then the Bible says at the end of three and a half years, the people are going to hate them so much that Satan himself from the pit of hell, the Bible says it's in uh, Revelation chapter 11, is going to rise up, bring an army against them, and kill them in the streets of Jerusalem. The Bible says that they don't bury those two witnesses, but they are laid out in the streets, their bodies are, for three and a half days. The Bible goes on to say that every person on the planet is going to be watching those two dead bodies. So obviously by internet or by television stations that are there, news stations that will be covering that event, uh, probably CNN and MSNBC will be covering it. <laughs> They'll be fully staffed and operational. And so, <laughs> should have said that. Yeah. <laughs> edit it. Just edit it. <laughs> the ladies on the view will probably be trying to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all AI. It's all fake. <laughs> They're not really real. Okay. Anyway, back. At the end of that three and a half day, or the, those three and a half days, God is going to breathe life back into those two witnesses, and there'll be a, like a commercial. I'm making some of this up. There'll be like a commercial. When you come back from commercial, they're going to stand back up right in the middle of the street, probably proclaiming the, the message of Christ, and then they're going to hear these words, come on up here, and God's going to call them on up into heaven. Now, if somebody seeing that doesn't get saved after that, I don't know there's much hope for that. But God is going to use these two witnesses, and if that isn't enough, he is going to send a proclaiming angel across this entire planet saying this, and I saw another angel flying through the sky carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people, good news being the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Well, guys, Jesus is coming back. He's coming. And I don't know if you guys, no, I'm not going to say that. Jesus is coming back. I'm so back. proud of you. I, I've held one so, back. So, oh, my gosh. I, I, almost, got, I almost cried well, a little Write it bit. down it because, I mean, this kind of... <laughs> My filter's broke. <laughs> um, and we do have a lot of fun here. We do. We got all kind of activities for the kids. I mean, I had flannel graph when I was in Sunday school, right? Too, yeah. I kept falling off the board. Yeah. I mean, we, we go, everything we do, we try to take it over the top. Everything we do, we tr we're doing it for the Lord. We try to do the very best that we can. We work very, very hard around here. Well, there are people that work very, very hard <laughs> around here. 
volunteers have put in so many hours. We laugh a lot. We do. But the bottom line to Fellowship Church is this. We're trying to get your family members saved. Well, what, what are y'all doing? We're trying to reach your family members. We try to give you information that you can send on to them or messages you can send their way. And I know they get tired of getting those, that stuff from you. I know they do. Mine do too. I don't care. I'm still sending it. They can either read it or not stay in my will, one of the two. I'm not. <laughs> because we're not pretending. This isn't a career. We're not playing games. Jesus is coming back, and our loved ones that don't know the Lord are going to be left. And I'm telling you, it's better for them, it's better for them not to die if they don't know the Lord and to go into the tribulation and let God cast out this net and get through to them. And they'll be saved among that number. We want to get people saved. We want to grow people in a relationship with Christ. I mean, that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're all about. And then Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says, it says, and let us not neglect meeting together, man or some is, but encourage each other, especially now as we see the day of his return drawing near. Yeah. We have a, we have a lot of moving parts here at Fellowship Church. A lot of things happening. Retreats, classes, life recovery stuff, care nights, a children's ministry that is just crazy good. But it's all about getting people saved. I would pray that every one of your loved ones accept Christ as a personal Savior. That's the best plan. And they raptured out with the rest of us. I pray that happens. I pray none of them have to go through tribulation. But if they do, they won't die. They'll survive long enough to call on the Lord as their Savior. And you'll still have them forever. But please hear me when I tell you this. No more pretend. No more pretend. You're either saved or you're not, and you know it. You're either saved or you're not. Not about your lifestyle. It's not about what you think, what you hope, or what somebody said. You either have a personal relationship with God because you ask His Son Jesus to forgive you of your sins and come into your life and be your Savior, or you haven't. And that doesn't—that has nothing to do with the decisions some people make, or falling back into a lifestyle of sin, or not being right on at the moment, or, or your prayer life. Now, it has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do with your personal relationship with Christ, started at salvation by asking Jesus to save you. And then listen, no more lukewarm living. This is not the season where you can play church, play your relationship with God. Everybody at your workplace needs to know you're a Christian. Everybody. Everybody. No more covert operations, playing Christianity underneath, you know, under the table. None of that. Step out as a bold witness for the Lord and, and let people come to you and say, what's this all about? What's going on? And you send them a tape. Tape? Did I say tape? Yes, you did. Eight track.
that just aged me. But I got my people here. I'm that's all right. No more lukewarm. No more hit and miss. A bold witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. You all have loved ones that are going to be left here. You know it. Do everything you can do to reach them. Everything you can do. But if you're in this room and you're not sure you're safe, Pastor Tim's going to lead us. You guys pray it right out loud. And if you've never met it before, mean it today. Oh, Jesus is coming back. That's right. That's right. So for some of you, I know that that brings about a little bit of fear, or it can bring about a lot of fear. And I've had many people that have said, I don't know if I'm saved. I think I'm saved. Or I think I might have done something to lose that. And I'm just fearful that I won't be raptured. If you know Jesus. You believe in him. You're going to be raptured. Don't let the devil tell you anything else. Be secure in that. Be excited for the rapture. Don't be fearful of it. The man on the cross, right next to Jesus, all he did was believe that Jesus was who he says he was. And Jesus said, I will see you in paradise today. That's how simple salvation is. So if you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, if you've never said the prayer of salvation, I'm going to lead you in that. If you're at home and you're watching, I want to lead you in this prayer. But if you're watching this video in the future, and something crazy has happened. The press, the media, they're blaming it on all kinds of stuff. But if you've seen people that you knew that were Christians and they're not here anymore, they've been raptured. You're in the tribulation. And things are going to get a whole lot worse before they get better. I want you to say this prayer too. And once you say this prayer, you will be different. And then I ask you to endure to the end. You're going to be asked to take a mark, a mark of allegiance to a leader. Don't take it. If you do, you will lose your salvation. It's an unpardonable sin. If you can hold out for seven years, help is coming. But you need to say this prayer right now. So with every head bowed and every guy closed, if you've never said this prayer, where you're watching at home, you're in this worship center with us today, or you are in the future, right in the middle of a seven-year period where you're going to see the wrath of God, I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, Forgive me of my sins. I ask right now that you would come into my life and that you would save me. I believe you are who you say you are. You're the Messiah. You are my Savior. And I accept you freely. In Jesus' name. So if you just said that prayer, welcome to the family. For those of you that said that prayer this morning, you may experience the rapture. And for those of you that are watching in the future, endure to the end, and we will see you soon.
God bless. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.